0: Hello everyone. Welcome to Tennis with an Accent. Uh, so this is becoming a cliche now with the reality for everyone. We still stay in quarantine. Uh, no socializing whatsoever. And uh, Luckily, the podcast goes on and uh, uh, it's called it good karma or call it some blessing. You know, Rajiv Ram, who's been on the podcast three times, have decided to come back to the podcast and this time uh, with doubles partner Joe Salisbury. So, I'm sure the listeners are super excited when you know the show is announced. On that note, let me bring in the guests. Hey, Raj. Hey, Joe. How are you guys?
1: Hey, good. Hey, yeah, Doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having us.
0: No, no. The pleasure is all ours. So, Joe, uh, I've worked with Rajiv to get you guys on the show. I know uh, some good things happen and then some, you know, of course, the, the coronavirus happened. So, let's talk about the good things first. How did this partnership come about from your angle? I have Rajiv. I, I asked him this question last year. Let's hear your side of the story. How did this uh, Salisbury Ram partnership got underway? Uh,
1: yeah, well, from my side, um, yeah, I would count myself quite lucky that I ended up playing with Rajiv because it was a bit touch and go for a while. Um, yeah, basically at the end of 2018, uh, neither of us had a, a set partnership, so we were looking for for a partner um, for the next year. Um, so I had a list of guys that I was talking to, and Rajiv was top of that list for me. So. I asked him to play, um, and yeah, basically he had obviously was. I think it just won the Paris Masters with Granolias, so uh, he was keen to continue that partnership. Um, but then I think yeah, things didn't quite work out there, so eventually he came back to me and said he'd like to play. So I was I was thrilled with that.
0: What is about his playing style of game that? Uh caught your attention I know you, you, you've you been a top pro yourself you guys have squared off in, in tournaments what is it about his game that was so compatible and you felt this could be something you know a successful partnership on the tour to be honest it was
1: his all round game and I think his kind of attitude and mentality as well um, obviously he had had a really good singles career um, I played him played him a couple times during that that year in 2018 and just thought he had really good all-round game. I'd seen him play play singles before and um, I knew he hadn't necessarily had or focused, been focused on doubles for that long or had that much doubles-specific coaching. Um, so I kind of thought with the game that he has and how good he already was that um, with some yeah extra
0: doubles training and uh, tuning up a few things that that he'd be a really great partner. So uh, Rajiv, I mean you guys had a phenomenal start to the year but that's not where it started. You got you guys got some serious momentum at the end of the year. Had some good tournaments. Lost the final in Belgium, then one in Vienna. Made to the O two. So you think that that's the momentum that carried over to Australia? Yeah,
2: I mean, I think for me, we started playing a level that you know would you know be good enough to win majors, and you know, obviously we won one, but even multiple ones probably after the U.S. Open last year. I mean, I think we. You know, went through some tough losses in big tournaments. Uh, you know, Wimbledon was a fifth-set tiebreaker. U.S. Open was a third-set tiebreaker. The Aussie Open was a 6-4 uh, in the third, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, like, and all of them in the round of 16 and all of them to teams that are, you know, potential winners of those tournaments. So it, it was, yeah, you know, we, we were right in there. And then I, I feel like after the U.S. Open, we, we kind of sat down and, you know, had some, uh, some good conversations about some pretty deep stuff. And, and we really played... In the fall, some you know some tennis that I think was uh, it was almost a different level. Even though we didn't win everything, it just felt to me like we were you know in in that situation where we could be contending for majors consistently.
0: Hmm. So Raji, one more for you. So not to shortchange the wins or the successful weeks, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. are, Are there phases when you played maybe a perfect week of doubles? And still came short against a good team, and then there were weeks where you didn't play your best and still won the whole thing. Does that kind of thing happen, or you yeah, run into someone I mean, hard? I, mean,
2: I think, I think, and especially with the scoring system that we have. I mean, it's really easy to play well and lose, and it's very possible to also not play so well and you know for a, almost a whole match and play well for the right ten minutes, and you end up you know you end up sneaking it out. So it can happen for sure. Um, it just was more of a feeling of like a consistency of how we were bringing a level to the court and what we were trying to do out there and how we were sort of supporting each other. that made me feel like we were going to be able to get through some of those tough matches.
0: Okay, fair enough. So now let's come to the big one. You know, you guys won your first Slam what uh, less than two and a half months ago and it seems like years ago because they're, you know, how the world has changed since. So let's talk about that first major win for, uh, you know, you together. So Joe, when, when did you realize that, you know, you guys are onto something in that fortnight? Was there a particular match, a moment when you felt everything was firing the way you guys wanted? Um,
1: to be honest, I, I don't think I felt that um, at all during during the two weeks because, yeah, I, I don't think you can... There's never a point where you know that you're you're going to win it. Like Rajiv said, I mean, you can have matches or weeks where you play really well, but you don't win. The other team can, can play great as well, and you don't win those matches. Um so, yeah, we were just, I mean, it's a cliche, but we were just taking it one match at a time. I mean, we knew we were, we had the level and that we were playing well. Um, but, but you never know, anything can happen. Um, so, yeah, we knew we were prepared going into the tournament. We knew if we played well, we will have a good chance. But I don't think there was any point where we thought, oh, yes, we're, we're definitely on something or this is the, like, this is our, this is our chance to do it. I think we just uh, kept doing our thing and, yeah. Okay.
0: Well the end. All right, so Rajiv, you have a different take to that or you kind of agree with what your partners just said?
2: Yeah, no, I, I actually totally agree with that. I, I think I think what kind of allowed us to not be so uptight or – I mean, there was definitely moments of nerves and all that, no no question, but I think we both had confidence in the level that we were bringing. So, I mean, you know, whatever match was in front of us, we were just going to play that one and then go on to the next one. It wasn't like, you know, oh, man, this is our one and only chance. I think both of us felt – pretty confident in what we were doing. And if uh, if we stuck to our process, it was going to be, you know, it was going to have a chance to be good enough. So I don't, I don't think it was like, you know, at one point we ever thought, oh man, we better we better make good on this one because it's never going to happen again, kind of thing, you know? So I think that helped
0: us as well. Absolutely. So Rajiv, major, winning major is the pinnacle of our sport. So when this happened, how did this change? Uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've been doing this for a while. You've had a decent singles career as well uh olympic silver medal so did this change anything or did you reset your priorities did you decide to take a break did this uh affect your schedule any wow. any, any off-court commitments uh how did this aftermath change and let's not talk about the virus yeah, we, yeah. a lot of things made my schedule change, as as I, every <laughs> tennis player knows but um
2: no I, I just think it's more of a personal thing really i mean it's you know like you said it's it is the pinnacle of our sport and you know i think i'm you know, I'm quite a, a tennis nut, if you will. I, I enjoy the history of the game and I enjoy kind of the people that have, you know, knowing about the people that have been able to win the Grand Slams before. And obviously, you know, more singles than doubles, you know, as you grow up, you, you kind of look at those players. But just to be a, a real small part of that for me is is just a, a personally quite quite special you know i my life day to day hasn't changed so much uh, i think a few more people might know my name and you know whatever else but it hasn't really changed that much but it's more of a personal um you know milestone
0: joe has it changed for you at all after you know lifting the trophy in melbourne
1: no not particularly um yeah i mean obviously it's uh an amazing thing and something that yeah you feel great about for a while but um yeah, you, you don't stay up on that high forever. Um, kind of things things go back to normal and obviously you'll always have that the memories mm. of it and the satisfaction of having having done what we did, but um yeah, then thing, things go back to normal and, and we kind of got back into our well, for a short short period got back into uh, going out there and trying to win trying to win more matches, trying to win more tournaments. Um so and that's that's what we enjoy doing. Obviously you enjoy the victories, but Um, Yeah, we enjoy like the day-to-day things of trying to get better, trying to trying to win every tournament we play. So, um, yeah, we enjoyed it for a while, but but then, yeah, things things go
0: back to normal. Exactly. All right. So, Rajiv just said, you know, he's stood in the game, he's followed the game. Uh, It's a question for both of you. So, are there any particular, you know, doubles teams? that you guys look up to from the past or talk about? Because at fan level, I mean, at our level, this is all we do. We always compare, you know, players from the past. How would this? How would you play someone? Or Is there a team in the past you would like to uh, play against? Uh, whoever wants to take a shot at this first. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead, Rajiv. Well, I mean, I would say the team that I've looked up to the most, I have gotten to play quite a few times, which is Bob and Mike, Brian, because, you know, being American and being – you know, they went through the exact same path of junior tennis did. They played all the U.S. nationals, they played college tennis, and then they, you know, went on from there. So obviously they went on to have, you know, be the, the greatest team of all time and have Hall of Fame careers and all that. So, I mean, I think that would be number one. But like I said, I've been lucky enough to play them. Um, past that, I mean, I think, you know, some of the teams from, you know, the 90s and, and before, like, you know, obviously me being of Indian heritage, watching Leander and Mahesh play, you know, a few times. I mean, I've played them both never together, um, you know, but maybe playing them in their peak or the Woodies or something like that. But for me, I, I think the Bryans are a cut above the rest, um, to be very honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, similar for me. I mean, I yeah, I feel lucky that I've, I've kind of played against the guys that I've been – was looking up to for such a long time. Um, I even played – Played with uh, Leander Paes for one week in a challenger. Um, he's obviously one of one of the best ever. And then obviously the Bryans, the, the best best team ever um, for so long. Like they, yeah, they were the the number one. They were always the basically every single final you watch. It seemed like they were playing in it. Um, so yeah, I feel very lucky to have been kind of part of their. Their career, or or at least been playing at the same time um, as when when they are, and, and played a few matches against them. So, um, yeah, I mean they they're the main the main guys that I've looked up to. No,
0: they're they're indeed. So, Rajiv, you know the guys pretty well yourself. Mm-hmm. So, is there longevity something that we take for granted? Is it something that's not talked about a lot? I think that longevity of people that are in that position of being the greatest in
2: their sport is something that gets gets a you know grown to the to the back burner quite easily like I mean the same with the singles guys I and mean, how long these guys have been able to play same with like how Andre Agassi played for so long I think it's incredible what they've been doing I mean they've been out on tour playing this level for a long time and even in, all the way up until last year I think they won Miami last year I mean they, they qualified for the Masters you know in London which we qualified for on the very last week of the season thinking we had a good year like they qualified for it you know in after the U.S. Open so I mean like it, they just year on year put in amazing, you know, results. And I think, I don't know if they were 40 or 41 last year. So it's absolutely something that's just remarkable. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So let's personalize this uh, question. Of course, they're the legend of the sport and you look at the longevity and then there's a lot of hard work you all do. But you We only see you when you take uh, the court and hit those balls and, you know, shake hands and, you know, play matches. So Rajiv, let's talk about uh, you ended your singles career two years ago. How are you training physically compared to what you were doing? Of course, you have to listen to your body. As you get older, you know the potential of your body, the limits of your body. How are you training even for doubles, the way you used to train, say, maybe two or three years ago?
2: Well, I mean, I think the thing for me that really gave me a tough time for singles was how much, like, how physical it was. So, I mean, in doubles, there is a physical component to it, but it's just not quite the same. So, um, it's just a bit less stressful. So, you know, a bit less of the, like, long distance, like a bit less of the cardio work that needs to happen for singles is not really required as much for doubles. And, but that being said, I think doubles, one of the things that's made it at a super high level these days is people are taking it really seriously. People are doing whatever they can to, to be in the best shape possible. And I think you see, you know, a bunch of really good athletes out there, you know, playing, playing the game. So it doesn't mean that it's, it's less, maybe it's just a little bit different, maybe a bit more fast twitch, a bit more reactionary, maybe a little bit less of the sort of, you know, side to side work, but it's, it's, there's still quite a lot to it.
0: What's the correlation between court time and gym time as that changes from person to person, or is that something uh, pretty consistent through the, to the tennis industry?
2: As um, it, for me, I, I think it changes person to person. I think like Joe said, I mean, I have feel like I have, and still have a lot to learn about some of these, some of the doubles nuances. So, I mean, in doubles for me, it sometimes is maybe not the intensity of the training like it was in singles, but the time on court, sometimes you ends up being a lot because you're working on really specific movement patterns and positional things and, you know, you're talking it over with your teammate and there's a lot more to it. So you end up being on court for quite a long time, even though you're not maybe hitting balls all the time. it's, It's a lot more discussion, a lot more strategy. And it's kind of a different, it's a different sort of on court time.
0: So Joe, you want to weigh on the same, and secondly, with your partnership with Rajiv, has your what has this partnership brought to your practice? The way you prepare, uh, this is something you know us fans crave about. Uh, throw some light on this.
1: So sorry. Say so that again. You, how we prepare as a partnership?
0: Yeah, and what changes uh, from each partner? Like, do you guys learn from each other? Which is of course a given, but have uh, do you train differently since you started uh, playing with Rajiv?
1: Um. I wouldn't say I train differently because I think we both have our have our strengths and and things that yeah things that we're good at things that we need to improve on. So that's quite obviously quite individual, um, and they need to be done regardless of who you're playing with. I think the main thing, the main advantage of being with a partner for a long time is that. that you basically get to know all those things about them as well. So I can break down Rajiv's game pretty well. I know what, what his strengths are, what, what maybe he needs to improve a bit. Um, and I basically know the shots that he's going to hit on the court. So I'd say 90, 95% of the time, uh, if he's about to hit a shot, I can tell you where he, where he's going to hit it, which obviously helps massively because then I can prepare for that. Um, and that's what, that's what makes a great team. Is that you know where your partner's gonna gonna hit their shot. That you know where they're gonna move, and then you you're basically doing things as a team. So as, as if when he's doing something, it's it's like we're both doing it because because he knows what I'm doing and I know what he's doing.
0: Okay, fair enough. So this uh, what I'm about to ask may not be a super intelligent question, but I'm gonna still get the opportunity since it's here. So during the off season, do doubles teams practice together, which makes sense, but, or is it possible that you can do a training block, say in the UK and then uh, meet Rajiv somewhere in Florida or how does this work? Uh, Do you guys have to be in the off season together for the training blocks or you can do your own bid and then get together for a later week?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's personal preference. Um, Obviously, it's ideal if you do, if you are practicing together. Obviously, that's that's the best thing to do. Uh, for some teams, it's not that practical because obviously some players they don't live in the same country like me and Rajiv. And if you live on the other side of the world, then it's not that easy to spend your whole preseason together. Um, but Rajiv and I have uh, managed to do that. We did that the last preseason um, before the 2019 season, and we were supposed to do it. Um, Supposed to do it at the end of last year, uh, in Florida, the same training camp. Um, but Rajiv was ill in December, um, so we couldn't make it then. So we were supposed to spend a week together. Um, so it was kind of it would have been half and half, uh, half together,
0: yeah. half half apart. Okay, so Raj, what have you learned uh, with your collaboration with Joe? Any, any anything? Because you know you're a consummate pro. You've been doing this for a while, and I'm sure every time you partner with someone you pick up some good habits. So what have you learned from your new partner?
2: Well, I mean, quite a lot, actually, to be honest. Uh, I, Like I said, I didn't really, like Joe said, I didn't really do a whole lot with doubles sort of before I started, uh, before I stopped single. So it hasn't been that many years. And one of the things that's um, Joe brings to the table is he's obviously British and they employ a, a pretty legendary coach named Louis Calle, who's done quite a lot of, you know, great work with a bunch of doubles teams and just, you know, yeah, coaching in general, but maybe more doubles specific of, of late. And uh, so because of that, I get kind of some access to, to Louie's knowledge and his experience, and that's been a really useful thing for me because it's, uh, it's pretty unique in what he brings to the table as far as his ability and his knowledge and all that. So um, just learning, you know, about how, how to best play doubles how, or how we can best play and, and some of that kind of stuff has been incredibly useful.
0: You know, it's fascinating to hear. Even though it's a cliche, I guess learning never ends. That's what, what I yeah. what I got from your answer. All right, so yeah. let's do a let's do a segue to a common background. You both played college tennis and didn't play a lot of ITF juniors or at all. You just made the college to pro transition. So, Joe, how hard was that, or was it a challenge when uh, most of guys uh, your age or you know or your competition was uh, already playing uh, the minor league of tours, but you played in college and had a pretty successful college stint in Memphis, but uh, how do you see that path and transition to the main tour?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say yeah. we both played college but I'd say the similarity ended there in terms of our college careers Um, and in terms of how successful they are or how successful they were, but um, yeah, I didn't have a bad college career. Um, I was at the University of Memphis um, which wasn't that highly ranked at the time when I went there. Uh, We had a few good guys come in and we ended up yeah, we made NCAA Sweet 16 um, once and we ended up, we were ranked about 20, 30. So it was a decent, decent college career and had a great time there. Um, But yeah, in terms of the, just the overall experience and the preparation it gave me for the professional tour, um, yeah, it was definitely invaluable. Um, And if I had had the chance to, to make that decision again, I would I would definitely definitely go back because I wasn't ready to to play professionally when I was eighteen, um, and I think the experience you get at college um, on and off the court is is incredible and just learning how to how to compete how to win matches you have played so many matches in such a competitive environment um, I think it's just just a great thing to do and especially with kind of the age where where people are peaking or even breaking through onto the tour is getting older and older. There's definitely no rush to to kind of get onto the tour at that young age.
0: So Rajiv, you want to weigh on the same. I know we've talked about this a couple of times earlier, the path from uh, college to professional tennis, but are there any disadvantages? Like, So talk about the financial transition uh, of a college player to pro tennis.
2: Well I think I mean I, unless you're kind of one of the best juniors in the world, I think the financial situation is difficult for everybody because you know you're not necessarily making any money unless you have guaranteed contracts and that only goes to sort of a select few so whether you're in college or whether you're coming from college or you're coming from the from the you know straight from the juniors, I think that's a, that's a tricky thing I think uh, yeah, but I think you know when you come from college, if you're not ready at 18, I think it's a great pathway, you know, to develop your game and also just get a little bit more mature, a little older, especially now, like Joe said, I mean, the, the age of, of tennis players is getting older and older. So I think it's a, it's a great situation. But yeah, I mean, no no question the first few years are hard. And I think that's sort of where you make it or break it in tennis. If you, if you can manage and get by and do well enough to, you know, spend enough time on tour to improve your game to hopefully get to the next level, then you do. And if, if you don't, you know, if you can't, Make it at that point, then you can't. So I think um, I think those first those first years are critical. Just uh, balancing that sort of how much I'm trying to develop and and how much money you can actually. Okay, let's earn leave the financial
0: uh, side. So you think uh, staying in college, the camaraderie with the you know with the fellow t- team players, you think that that's a good uh, uh, balancing act uh, of the of the unforgiving nature of the tour, where you know sometimes you don't travel with friends, you're playing different weeks and different. Uh, cities of the globe so in this way is college preparing you better because you're traveling is it always a team environment pardon me if i'm wrong in college and b does that help because if you you have a couple of rough weeks you're still with your mates and uh, you're still not exposed to the international travel
2: i mean for me i think i think it depends on the collegiate situation i think you know if the goal is to play professional tennis, there's some schools that are good for that and some schools that are not, but I'd say in general, yeah, I think it's a good thing because you always, mostly always have a coach around you, at least, even if it's an individual tournament, you'll have, you know, one or two teammates. So it's definitely a, an environment that's conducive to improvement which at that age is really all you're looking for. You're looking to make your game good enough to, to, you know, play at the professional level. And sometimes when you're, playing regular pro tournaments features or whatnot, week in and week out, it's really tough to do that. So um, I think in general, the environment, the setup mm. is- So Joe, the
0: collegiate that. level, uh, were you making a transition to the doubles or were you balancing both doubles and singles?
1: Um, I was playing both doubles and singles then. Um, and yeah, after I finished college, I was focusing more on singles for a couple of years, uh, but then yeah, I decided that yeah, I was being more I was more successful at doubles than singles. I knew that I had a better chance of making a good career out of doubles. So so then I made that made that switch okay. to just playing doubles. All right, guys. So let's make a
0: quick transition now to my favorite topic. Is you know, as fans, you know, uh, we see how the doubles is played, and I want to put some questions and see if those questions. Yeah, you know, are worth 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 your time. So, uh, Joe, you, you both can answer this. So, Joe, you can go first. Uh, is, is the use of offensive lob? do You think that's something an underutilized art in today's doubles? Of course, most players have most players have booming overheads, <laughs> but uh, is it is it is it a is it a tactic <laughs> that just gets oh, underused? <laughs>
1: um i think for, from my point of view definitely not because that's, okay. one of my, that's one of my favorite shots so i i definitely hit that a lot um but in general i would i would agree with that um i think it's it is quite a tough shot to hit um especially off so
0: don't say to make yeah, me feel better i mean i can off- say it's a bad question
1: <laughs> H- hitting to you um No, no, definitely not. It's it's a good question, and it's often one that's brought up whether it's the offensive lob or it's um, the chip lob off off the return, because now so many guys stand stand right on top of the net when they're the server's partner. Um, But I definitely think it can be used more, and when it's used more, uh, when it's used. well, it's very effective because a lot of guys um, do stand quite close to the net and they are very solid. Uh, it's tough to get it past them. So I,
0: I definitely think – Rajiv, are you more open more, to yeah. this advice? Are you going to add that or something uh, to your arsenal?
2: <laughs> I mean, well, I just don't hit it nearly as well as Joe does is the problem. So I think it's probably something – Work on, but I don't. I don't ever see it being my uh, my go-to off of a ground stroke. I, I, I would probably do better when I just try and give the forehand a ride, and that seems to that seems to work out better for me. But I agree with you. I think there's a lot of situations where, it's, even off the return, or <clears throat> you know, even off the second shot, where guys close the net so tight these days um, that it's, it's hmm. a viable right, option. So another way.
0: observation that I've uh, heard uh, on Twitter with discussions with uh, friends and. Uh, Fellow fans, and is when when both players are the net receiver and server side uh, is down the line uh, an option that uh, also gets underutilized because players uh, you know move around at the net and then during rallies, have you seen that tactic that uh, you're not keeping both teams are not keeping uh, you know the down the line shot honest uh, as far as an option because the doubles guys keep poaching and the rallies uh, keep changing length and then you don't see. Uh, especially in the early stages of the match, the down the line return or down the line winner, uh, more of a more of a result. Again, uh, I don't watch as much doubles as I would like to, but that's something we've come up with as a question. So,
1: so you're saying that people should return or hit in general down the line?
0: It's an observation. I don't know if you agree with it. Yeah, to keep uh, uh, to keep you know the opponents honest is that something you guys pay attention to or is it something irrelevant of a stat or uh, how you observe that?
1: Um, I would say I would tend to disagree with that. Um, I'd say that people in general do do turn down the line quite a lot and yeah and in general hit, hit down the line. I think it's it's a tough it's a tough shot to hit and obviously if you do that, if you do try and hit down the down the tram lines, down the alley, then then it's a low percentage sh- low percentage shot. You're hitting over the high part of the net and there's a decent chance that you could miss it wide. So yeah, obviously you've got to weigh up whether it's worth going for that risk. Um but yeah, it is something that people do, especially when the net player is trying to take a lot of the balls through the middle. And um, then I think do guys do try and – Reggie, do you, you see it the line same line, way
0: or uh, <laughs> how do you see this one?
2: Yeah, I think I think sometimes, you know, a down-the-line shot gets sort of mistaken because, you know, it might go to the net guy. I and mean, when we're trying to hit it down the line, we're not trying to necessarily hit it in the alley because, like Joe said, I mean, it's pretty risky. You're going over the highest part of the net and, you know, real good chance to miss the wide. So sometimes when we go down the line, I mean, the target's usually – inside the singles court, maybe right at the net player. So, I mean, there's a good chance that the guy's going to get a racket on the ball. It's not going to be a a winner per se, but it doesn't mean that the shot wasn't down the line. So I think, um, you know, I think a lot of the times, you know, that shot gets left open or that alley gets left open, you know, because it is really difficult to hit. So I think one of the things I feel like in doubles, that's the level has gotten so high is the guy's ability to return serve. I mean, you know, if there's players out there where, you just almost like you feel like you're at their mercy, even though you're the one serving because they just they can hit the return so hard and um, whatnot. It's maybe not quite as much finesse and variety, maybe as it used to be at one point in doubles. But I think I think players use it decently effectively. Um, you know, no one necessarily goes for the alley per day because it's risky. But I think people okay. do use it. Okay.
0: So let's move further in the series of on court questions. Again, this is a question which again may not make sense, but uh, I'm, I'm going to feel it. So most doubles partnerships have their ways, like a holy grail. You know, one guy plays the ad, one guy plays the two side. So does this sometimes change according to opponents or most teams are so mentally strong, that you just go with your strength. you don't adjust this kind of an adjustment depending on a team you're facing, whoever wants to take it first?
1: Yeah. In, in general, that doesn't happen. Um, in general, guys have the side that they like to play um, and and they stick to that because obviously you're everything you're doing in practice, mm-hmm. you're returning. Um, well, it's mainly the returning, but when you're the returner's partner as well, everything you're doing is practicing on that side. Um, so obviously your tactics will change depending on who you're going to play, but you won't change sides. Um, I think there are a few exceptions to that. I think um i think the Bryan brothers have changed changed they definitely changed sides uh, multiple times in their career mm. i don't know if they've ever done it kind of week to week or match to match depending on who they're playing but in general people have you
0: seen it's, that happen rajiv science. in your career or at least has has it even made to the discussion table forget if forget it, if it happened on code or not but has that been entertained as a thought
2: you mean to yeah. actually switch sides based on opponents uh i the only person the only team i've seen do that is is bob and mike um uh they one year played the entire australian open with bob on the deuce and mike on the ad and for the final they played nestor and ziminich who they'd lost to a bunch of times and they just for the finals of of the, of the Aussie open they switched and they beat them so i it's the only thing i've ever seen like that but i mean I think they're in a league of their own when it comes to uh you know, knowing each other and like Joe said, you know, when you talk about knowing each other's shots and this and that, I mean they've they're miles ahead of everybody else. So, you know, they can probably pull off something like that. I have not seen that. I've seen teams make switches just, you know, you know, after a certain you know, period of time, they might say, Oh, we might be better off, you know, going the other way or whatever like that, but nothing not that I know of to, to play specific opponents other than the Bryans. Yeah,
1: and having said that, that's just uh I was just gonna say, yeah, obviously that's that's talking about the doubles teams, but you're quite often or not that often, but sometimes we've played against um against singles players and they'll because they don't really have a set side, they might be playing with different partners every week and they might be, be switching sides week to week. They might play with someone and we've played we've played teams before where there where there'll be a certain side and then after one set they'll they'll switch sides. I think we even played a team team that did that in the in the Australian Open this hmm. year. Um, yeah, yeah of
0: course, you know, they are legends of the game and Rajiv, I think once you told me that they have more than what few plays. Like that's more than above average, you know, what the combination of plays that you guys use, the science and you said Bob and Mike have like what hundreds of those? <laughs>
2: I don't know what they have. But I don't think it's. I don't think it's. They're doing what the rest of us are doing. I think they have their own set of their own set of yeah. signs and their own set of players. Right, so,
0: uh, Rajiv, you both are, <laughs> have a one-hand backhand. How does that come into play in doubles partnerships? Uh, uh, does it make it? I mean, just talk about that combination. You know, coming together as someone who has the same uh, backhand as you. Is it? Is it a factor at all?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the challenges with a one-handed backhand is the return of serve. So I think. You know, we probably both have to play with a bit more variety because, um, you know, it's, it's it's a little easier maybe to serve to a one-handed backhand. You can get the ball up and you can do different things to make it t- difficult to return. So we have to counter that by using our skill set a bit better. Maybe like Joe uses the lob quite well. I try to find forehands sometimes on second serves, you know, you know, various things like that. But um, it's challenging in its own right. But I think it also has some advantages. I think we also bring more variety to the table than a lot of the other teams who perhaps – don't have that skill set. So I think I think it's a bit of give and take. And I actually think one of the things that is kind of useful is that we can both talk about it with each other. Like if I feel something on my backhand, you know, or, or vice versa, I can, you know, we can share advice and share thoughts. And, you know, whereas if it's a two-handed backhand player, then, um, you know, it's quite a, it's so how quite a different How does it feel, shot, feel
0: to be with another uh, player who has the same backhand, uh, at least the one-hand backhand? Does that... Uh,
1: yeah, to be honest, for me, for me, it doesn't. Uh, it's not much of a factor for me. I think it's obviously some people have one hand and they have a good good and others not, and others have a two hand and yeah, and yeah, some are good, some are bad. I, I don't think it matters too much whether it's a one or two, and it definitely wouldn't come into my. into my thinking about who I wanted to play with, whether I wanted to play with a one-handed back or a two-handed back, and I'd look more at just the shot in general, and how how good it was rather than whether it's one or two.
0: Okay, so this one's for Rajiv, and Joe, you can chip in too. I'm throwing in more of uh, doubles from the past. Uh, Not to take a lot of names, but, you know, McIndoe in the past, which is Johnny Mack and Robert Sakuza. There were some doubles players, Anders Yared, who were just good doubles players, and... uh, the team sometimes would be, you know, it's McIndo and anyone. But uh, in the recent past, uh, we observed that doubles teams are more balanced. Uh, it'll be uh, it'll be unfair to say that one guy was carrying more of the bulk, like McIndoe, but it was McIndoe and anyone. You know, like Fleming was a great doubles player himself. And uh, McIndo won with Michael Stee. Uh, so we don't see this. Uh, do you observe that, that today doubles is more, uh, it's, there's more of an equilibrium between the players? Uh, uh, do you, do you send? Do you say the the barometer the 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 tide has yeah. shifted? is more the equals out there than you know some of the better doubles players like in the past.
2: Yeah, I think. Well, I think first of all, one of the things is that the people you mentioned, John McEnroe, right? I mean, he's possibly one of the best single players of all time. So I'm pretty sure that if if Roger Federer or, or anyone like that put you know as much time in. You know, perhaps they could be the same thing. I'm not, I mean, I shouldn't say I'm pretty sure, but maybe it could be. That doesn't happen right now. So, like, not the top players don't play nearly as much as a guy like, you know, McEnroe did. But I think the other thing is, is like Joe was saying before, I mean, we we work quite a lot together as a team. Like, I mean, there's the doubles guys take this seriously, you know? It's not like before in those days when it was sort of like, okay, you played singles, and then you just played doubles afterwards. Sort of like, you know, maybe how some of the single players treat it right now. Like, the doubles guys that are full-time double players take it really seriously, and they – work together as a partnership, They have their own coaches, They have their own teams, and they treat it as, you know, it is a full-time job to be as good as they can. So I think even as good as some singles players might be, I think in today's day when you have doubles guys who are great players in their own right working together to be the best they can be, I think that's still potentially a a stronger force than just
0: one player, you know, carrying the team. Joe, you want to add anything to uh, that observation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree, with, I agree with what you said. I mean, I think there's definitely most teams are uh, very, very equal, very balanced. Uh, both guys contribute just as much. I mean, it's, it's not many of the doubles or any of the doubles top, top doubles teams where you could say, oh, one guy's definitely the better player. Um, obviously, you get that more when the singles players play. You might have one guy that you'd say, okay, well, out of the two, this guy's definitely the better doubles player. Um, so then, yeah, they might be carrying carrying one more, Carrying their partner a bit, but in terms of the doubles teams, that that doesn't really happen.
0: Okay. Uh, so last time Rajiv was on was I think right after Wimbledon when uh, you know Djokovic and Federer played that you know amazing final, and you know you guys also lost the the twelve wall tiebreak. So then we were talking a lot of uh, you know uh, how doubles uh, at major sometime can be pushed due to weather in the first week and singles matches take precedence. So Rajiv gave a very balanced reply. She said, look, we are mentally prepared. We know singles is the main attraction. So we don't uh, we don't get bothered by it. It's difficult if double schedule sometimes is more dependent on how many singles matches are uh, completed. So on that note, I want to ask you both, are there any tournaments, uh, especially majors, that are more doubles friendly, where doubles players, you know, are getting more than, you know, how do I say it right? Are treated equally, or getting their fair share of you know practice courts and overall facilities? Uh, is that uh, is there is there imbalance somewhere there? Or however, you want to take this question. If you don't want to take a favorite tournament, but uh, what what stands out as an experience in this?
1: Well, for me, I mean uh, the the one that definitely stands out is the tour finals um, because. That and I think that is such a big, big event, especially for the doubles, because it's basically given equal billing. I mean, there's two two singles matches, two doubles matches a day, both played on the on the main court. Um, so they, yeah, they basically are treated treated equally. Um, so that's the main the main tournament uh, that stands out for me. I think in general, yeah, most of the tournaments, the, the singles is given. Uh, a higher status; they play on more stadium courts. Maybe they get slight priority over certain things like practice courts, etc. But um, in general, yeah, I think the how the doubles players and the the matches are treated is is definitely improved a lot. I think, um, and I, I don't think many of the players would tell you they're unhappy with how things are because I think things are improving and. I think we do get, yeah, we do we do get everything you need when you are at the tournaments. Maybe you'd like to pound certain slightly bigger courts sometimes, but you need you need the fans to fill the stadium. So if if you're not getting that, then um, then that's not going to happen. So that that's the the main thing that needs to be addressed. Rajiv,
0: you want to add something to the doubles treatment? I know this is a repeti- repetitive question. I've asked you a couple of times. Do you see it any differently uh, than in the past?
2: No, I, I think Joe's spot on. I mean, the, the the tournament that you know accommodates everybody as equally as maybe as they can, or as, as anywhere else is the tour Finals. and you know, as it should be. There's only 24 players there. You know, there's 16 doubles players and and eight singles guys, so uh, it's it's a smaller field. But I, I mean, I think like Joe said, I mean, maybe there could be some promotional things, perhaps. But you know, as far as what we get um, as players, I think it's. You know, it's fair enough. Everything is done quite well, I think, as far as all that goes.
0: Okay, so that brings us to our favorite topic, which again, you know, you've you've encountered this question in many forms from other journalists. So, how do we repackage? How do we package doubles better? I know there's an always is it a better spot than it used to be? So, Raji, what's the latest with that? Are you seeing uh, more fans or even more media uh, uh, since you're Australian Open champion uh, now? Are you uh, are you seeing there's a slight shift in how people are, you know, showing up for these doubles matches at tournaments because at the club level, you know, we talked about most of us do play doubles, but uh, when it comes to watching, we'll take a singles over doubles. And that's a world, I think worldwide known phenomenon. So way on that stuff.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's honestly a question that I would ask, you know, a, a tennis fan is, is how does that work? Like why do you play doubles and then watch singles and not really watch doubles. I, I That's always been a, a, an interesting one for me too, because I don't, I don't really understand. I understand that you want to watch the stars and that, that makes perfect sense, but you know, I'm not sure why the doubles isn't uh, a little bit more sought after because that's what most people play. Um, I don't really have a great answer to that question. And I haven't really heard, a great answer from a fan necessarily as to why that is because I, I always wonder that myself um, and I you know I, I don't really know I just I just think maybe we could do a bit more you know a few more things to promote ourselves and promote our game uh, a little bit but um, yeah I, I don't it's 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 a tough thing for sure
1: yeah I mean I, well yeah I was just gonna say I think I think that's the main thing it's about who who the people want to watch rather than whether it's singles or doubles. I think when you get the 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 big names playing doubles, then you get a lot of people out there to watch because they want to watch that player, not necessarily whether they're playing singles or doubles. So I think if the pro- promotion of the doubles players um, increases and improves, then I think that will definitely help the with how many how many people are interested in watching doubles
0: and being a. Uh... I think the local tournament also helps. So, Joe, what was your experience in the O2 from media perspective? You were the only British guy. None of the Murrays made it, you know. Uh, so, you were the only sole representative from the home nation. So, did you... Uh, how was that exchange with the media did, yeah, and, and the coverage?
1: Um, yeah, it definitely was a bit different for me. And I, at the time, kind of leading up to the tournament, I didn't feel like it was overwhelming, but I think kind of under under the surface, I think it did get to me a little bit um not not in a bad way, not that I didn't like doing it or didn't feel like i yeah I, I was happy to to do all of it obviously I got a bit more attention as being the only Brit there had to do a lot more interviews and and yeah all sorts of sort of media stuff that I wasn't used to doing um which i was I was fine with, but I think. The occasion did get to me a little bit, and and in the first match we played, I, I didn't play. I did feel the nerves, and I didn't. I didn't play well, um, so that was definitely something to to get used to to being to being in the limelight.
0: All right, so let's wrap it up with Australian Open. We started with that, and let's wrap it up with that. So, Rajiv, you you know you, you have a Olympic medal, and then you now have won Australian Open. So How do the two compare, and in, uh, in connection? Uh, Which has enhanced your reach more in terms of fans and media? Were were there more media commitments after uh, winning the doubles or Olympics? Uh, How how does the one measure up against the other, off-court especially?
2: Uh, I mean, I think, unfortunately, I didn't... I I guess I won a medal in the Olympics, but it wasn't wasn't the color that I wanted. So maybe if that had happened, maybe it would have been a bit different. I don't know. But I feel like in the tennis world, the Australian Open was probably a bit more... I got, I got a bit more for that. And then probably just in general, like in the general population, not people, maybe just sports fans or whatever, not necessarily tennis fans per se. The Olympics means a little bit more, I think. So I think like, yeah, everyone knows the Olympics. Everyone knows, you know, it happens every four years. And it's a big thing, maybe not as much in America as it is in some other countries, but it's still, it's still a big deal. Um, so I think, for the for just a general sports fan if i tell him i'm, you know, an olympic medalist that'll that'll carry a bit more weight but for a tennis fan if i tell him, you know, won a major, um, i think that goes a bit further so it just depends on the audience that i'm talking to.
0: And Joe, winning in Australia, how is it received back home? Uh, and this is the last year of the world tour finals. We don't even know what's going to happen at the end of the year. But how how will the two tie in, you know, imagine in a perfect world going into the O2 winning uh, having a major or two in the bag. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it will still go ahead. Obviously, we don't know what, what will happen. Um, rumors about maybe not, not the tour not resuming till till next year. So yeah, fingers crossed that that it starts again um, before that, and we get to play some more of this season, and and hopefully the the tour finals. Uh, but yeah, that would that would be be an amazing thing to go into that having won a grand slam i definitely think i feel more more comfortable um when if that does happen because it was a massive experience for me playing at the 0 two last year um especially with it being in london so uh, i think i definitely feel a bit more comfortable uh, going into it for the second time
0: all right so let's wrap this up uh, we are at the top of the hour any message from both of you to the listeners of this podcast? And uh, I'm not saying it, but actually, you know, you are quite a popular double team on Twitter, and some of the followers also listen to our podcast. So any message to those who support you? Rajiv, you can go first.
2: Yeah, no, just we certainly appreciate We certainly appreciate it. We're going to do our best to keep... Uh, you know, playing well out there and, um, you know, we'd love to see whoever wants to come out and watch us play. It's, it's, it's truly a pleasure. We love playing in front of everybody that wants to come watch us. And, um, you know, we hope, we hope we can resume soon. I'll say that.
1: Yeah. I mean, just thanks to all you guys for for your support. I mean, we really appreciate it. Thanks for, for listening to this and for hopefully for watching some of our matches. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hopefully getting out
0: there soon and uh, giving you something more to, What to cheer about. Hi, on that note, uh, it was an absolute pleasure as always uh, bringing Rajiv and of course, this was double the pleasure uh, having uh, the team, Rajiv and Joe. So wish you guys uh, best of health and and hopefully best of tennis whenever that resumption is in place. Stay safe and uh, uh, hope to talk to you soon. Okay, yeah, you as well. Be safe
1: out there. Thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot.